This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. One of the joys of just acknowledging your limits and saying what you can't do is, like I mentioned before, being able to see other people kind of called into their role in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about my small group. I lead a small group and there are just there are needs in that small group that I can't meet alone. And it's been really cool to see other people in the group meeting the needs of other people. You know, mm-hmm. I don't always have to be the one checking up on everybody. And so when other people do that, you know, again, I think they discover the joy that mm-hmm. we have in belonging to God, to one another, and to serving. That's been a joy. And I think it's also just been a joy to feel that I have more permission to rest, more permission to say, Lord, you receive kind of the breadcrumbs of life. They never will feed the world. But see, that's the mystery of what it means to follow Jesus is that he can multiply the breadcrumbs of the lives of his people to feed the world. If you have read all the latest productivity books or even feel like you need to get your life in balance, you will love this conversation with author Jen Pollock Michelle. We talk about how balance is elusive and actually what do the constraints of community and our time have to teach us. Listen in to my conversation with Jen. Welcome to the Finding Holy Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Hales, author of A Spacious Life. I love big ideas, but ideas have to move beyond an ivory tower to find their application in the midst of our work and our laundry routines. Here on the Finding Holy Podcast, expect conversations about how to live faithfully in a post-Christian world, but without the vitriol, posturing, or shouting across the aisles. In each conversation, you'll get to hear my guests' wisdom, their laundry routine, and for this season, also their hustle habit. Let's find holy together. All right, friends, it's really fun to welcome Jen Pollock-Michelle to the podcast. She's been here a few times, and we are talking about a spacious life, how our limits are good, so it's really fun to chat with a good friend. So Jen, thanks for being here. Ashley, such a privilege. And I just got your book in the mail today. Yay. How pretty. I know it's beautiful. So thank you so much. You are welcome. So one thing you kindly said in your endorsement of A Spacious Life was that it rescues us from self-help, the siren call of self-help. Talk to us what you meant by that when you said that. Yeah, I think self-help is just all about, you know, your life is going wrong. And if you could just work harder or think more creatively or implement this strategy, like it is all about you. Yeah. Self-help is about the help that only you can give yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think as a Christian, that is an incredibly limited message. message and I didn't use limited just to <laughs> uh, pun on the, the notion of limits, but 
what an incredibly kind of onerous message mm-hmm. that, gosh, all of my problems I have to fix. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that your book is saying the exact is exact opposite, that we can't actually fix all of our problems and all of our anxieties aren't up to us. And mm-hmm. so I think you turn us to look to Jesus and look to the spacious message of the gospel mm-hmm. and about the spacious places that God can make in our lives. Mm, thank you. Yeah. You know, I think when I started writing the book, there was definitely a lot that I just wanted to like pick apart and it's kind of angry about, right? Some of those self-help <laughs> messages and then just kind of realizing, you know, especially after a pandemic maybe not after during the pandemic, we're still in it. Like we, we need invitations instead of arguments, really. I think we're Mm. just, we're emotionally exhausted and we can't fix ourselves Mm -hmm. and we don't need to be told how our impulse to fix ourselves maybe is wrong and evil and disastrous, but um, maybe just to, to paint a picture for a better way. Mm Hmm you know, your book. And I can't actually remember if you cite the scripture. Do you cite Psalm 16? It's on the epigraph. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So that's essentially, I mean, I knew that that was, that had to have been what you were thinking, but that has just been such a meaningful Psalm in my own life. You know, the Mm. boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. And I think it's just such an incredibly uh, rescuing idea to think that our lives don't have to be infinite and unlimited. Our knowledge doesn't have to be unlimited. Our energy doesn't have to be unlimited. Our creativity doesn't have to be unlimited. And yeah, I think it's just, it's, it is absolutely the message that, that we need today. Mm-hmm. What limits have you found to be, maybe you didn't really first realize that they had fallen in pleasant places, but mm. kind of maybe through time or prayer or process, you have found those limits as actually good gifts instead of, you know, something that you have to work really hard to move past or kind of pull vault over. I would say the limit of family life, truthfully, and we've talked a lot about that, but I think the conversation that is often sort of how it's pitched to women is you can do it all. You know, if you could just exercise enough creativity, you could think about this perfect balance (laughs) between work and, and professional ambition and domestic responsibility. And that is just not proven true in my life. I Mm. feel like I'm a kind of person who is very task focused. I am obsessive about time management, as Mm. you know. (laughs) And, you know, when I I had three young kids and then I found out that I was having twins and like, that was just not something to manage with creativity. That was like full (laughs) stop a limit. Yeah, You are, you actually can't fit all of your kids in the grocery cart. So this is, this is a limit. This is absolutely a limit. And what a good, and I I didn't initially think that the boundary lines had fallen for me in pleasant places Mm -hmm. because I thought I was headed off to graduate school for a different graduate degree. Mm -hmm. And I had this kind of life of ministry and uh, ahead of me, I had all of this sort of planned out Mm -hmm. and God you know, visited his, the surprise of his very good Mm -hmm. limits in my Mm -hmm. life. And of course I wouldn't have it any other way now, Mm -hmm. but 13 years ago, it didn't always look so pleasant. What was that process like to see, to begin to see those limits as good for you? And I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about 
this idea of balance, this kind of false idea of balance. And you really bring up probably something that lots of our listeners are dealing with, like women and family life and professional ambition. And we think we want to balance it all. That's what we're told is the good life. Um, But what does it look like to begin to see maybe a limit of a season as good news? Mm-hmm. I have a young friend, somebody that I've been walking alongside with in her journey of faith since she was 18. And mm-hmm. she's now like got her, she's now on her second kid. Yeah. So, so um, we've seen a lot of life together. And one of the things that I talk to her a lot about is I'm like, you know, I think it's really good for you to admit that this is a stressful season of life. Just to be at home with young kids um, for a majority of your day means that your day is like really noisy and it's mm-hmm. really hands on. And that's just a stressful sort of thing. And one of the things that I didn't do when I was a young mom, I was younger and my kids were younger. I didn't allow myself to say, this is actually heavy. Mm. And this is sometimes hard. And until I had the twins, I think that was a real turning point for me where I was able to say, this is heavy. This is hard. And you know what the outcome of that was I asked for help. I sought more help when once the twins came than I ever had previously. I, I sought more partnership with my husband, truthfully. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, you know, I think, you know, I had, because I was at home with the three younger ones, I always got up at night with them. I let him sleep. I was just sort of of that mentality, like, well, you know, you do have to go into the office in the morning, so mm-hmm. I'll take I'll take the night shift. And then with the twins, I'm like, no, you got to get up with me too. Like we both have, you know, full-time jobs that we're getting up to um, tomorrow morning. So I thought more partnership with him. I hired help. I Mm. never felt really, I maybe would have felt guilty about that before. But once my my husband took six weeks off from work that he'd never done that before with Mm. any of our children. Um, And then I hired a college girl to come. And initially it was 20 hours a week. And then it was, you know, fewer hours as we sort of went along. And I think we survived that season. And I, I praise God for that. I know that not everybody could, could exercise that option of Mm -hmm. receiving help, but I do think helps available to everybody as we look for it. And Mm -hmm. most importantly, as we look to God for it. Mm -hmm. And so that was, that was huge is to just, I named a season as something heavy and hard and I looked for help and God granted it in amazing ways. And it just eased, you know, mm-hmm. eased a season. It lightened the burden, mm-hmm. the load a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, and this just thing about having it all and doing it all. I do think it is the conversation that's so privileged. There are so, you know, generally you can't do it all um, or do it all decently yeah. well, unless you have some sort of help, you know, right. maybe you have grandparents who live close by, you know, that is a wonderful privilege to have, you know, maybe you have means financially that can, that can give you help in some ways, but I don't think you can have five kids and a full-time job and a husband with a career like that my husband has too. I mean, he's, he's got a very busy job. Like you can't, there's just no way and keep your house clean and volunteer at church and be kind to anybody (laughs) during the day. Right. Not just put your head under That's your pillow. Right. <laughs> oh, yeah. You you do mention something here about like how our limits actually invite other people in, right? And yes. I think when we live, we when we try to live an unlimited life or a kind of self-curated life, 
the temptation is that like, I can do it all on my own. You know, this is kind yeah. of, you know, the early temptation, right. To godlike power, omniscience. And so tell us a little bit about when you realize it could be now or, or later or earlier, rather when you have kind of come up against the limit and named the limit and then welcomed people into your limit, how has that helped grow community? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think I currently see it a lot in my church community. I mean, I can even think about just this morning, just praying about, um, a, you know, particular people that God has put in my life that need shepherding, need mm-hmm. mentoring, need people praying for them, walking alongside them, counseling them, answering their questions, teaching them how to read the Bible. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. when you think about, cause I have a lot of people in my life who are earlier in their journey of faith. Yeah. Yeah. That's not something I can do all alone. And it's so interesting because my initial reaction is to see a need and to think, okay, well, what do I do about that? Yeah. How am I going to meet that need? How am I going to get super creative to, you know, squeeze out a little bit more time to mm-hmm. give to this person? Mm-hmm. And I feel that the Holy Spirit recently has just been saying to me, wait, not you, who else could meet that need? And I actually do think Mm. that one of the gifts that God has given me is of persuading other people. Sometimes, sometimes to step forward and to mm. take a responsibility that they might not initially think that they're called to or capable for. Mm-hmm. And obviously, I'm never trying to twist anybody else's arm, but I think there are people who just need an invitation like you. You could meet this need. Mm-hmm. You could, um, you know, whatever it is. So host this group, you know, yeah. or meet with this person or take a dinner over here. I mean, they're just, I could give a a million specific examples, but a lot of times it's just recognizing that moment of the, of the temptation Hmm. whereby I say, here's a need. I must meet it. Yeah. And, and instead of saying, here's a need, who else in my community is capable of meeting it? And how might I encourage them mm-hmm. and connect them to that need? And, and then to see the joy that comes when other people serve, feel needed, mm-hmm. feel like they, they become an essential part of the community by their giving. That's For the sure. exciting thing too. It serves so many different purposes. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's, it's also just a good thing to hear, you know, you might have, you know, the desire to meet the needs yourself, but maybe other folks don't, right. They either don't, they don't feel capable of meeting the need or they're quick to kind of pass the buck onto someone else to, to do something, even just noticing what we're complaining about. I remember someone saying at one point, like, notice what you're complaining about. Mm. And often that's your area to serve, right? If you notice the problem, Maybe God is is inviting you into participating towards the restoration of that, you know, problem. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, I, I'll have to think about that. What are the things that I complain about? <laughs> yeah. yeah, my children not picking up their socks. You know, is, is, <laughs> that's right. But, I mean. <laughs> I love that you think about, I think this is true in a family too. You know, it's just easy to think about all the needs that you have to meet. Mm -hmm. And one of the beauties, I think of my, seeing my children getting, getting older is like calling upon them to meet each other's needs too. Mm. That, that a family is a small, Mm -hmm. it's a microcosm of a community. It is the smallest unit of community, I guess we could say. Yeah, no, I think that's a really lovely point too. 
because how much do we feel overwhelmed and past our limits, right? When we feel like we're the ones who are responsible for meeting everybody's needs. 100%. That's pretty much my, the, that's, you've just diagnosed my life problem. (laughs) Are you looking for something that's going to help you connect the dots between what you say you believe and how you live? Well, I've created pocket practices just for you. They are about 50 spiritual formation practices that you can take anywhere and you can get them free for a limited time. When you pre-order a copy of A Spacious Life, head on over to aspacious.life, enter in your email and you will get those pocket practices as a free download anytime between now and September 13th. This episode is brought to you in part by Beyond Ordinary Women Ministries, which prepares Christian women for leadership. At BOW, we believe that every woman is a leader because she influences someone. So whom do you influence? Do you mentor a woman, serve in the workplace, or do you lead a small group, teach the Bible, or even lead an entire ministry? No matter who or how many you influence, our free online resources will help equip you. Our videos, podcast episodes, and articles from experienced women leaders will encourage you and perfect your leadership skills. They offer wisdom for dealing with ministry pitfalls, current biblical issues, health for your own soul, and insights for shepherding others well. In addition, BOW offers Bible studies designed to connect women of multiple generations. They provide a challenge to both women new to the Bible and those wanting to dig deeper. Be our guest and browse all of our free resources and low-cost Bible studies at beyondordinarywomen.org. What's helped you get out of that, Jen? <laughs> <laughs> or or at least, you know, you've been able to name it, right? You're saying like, I am not responsible for meeting everybody's needs or solving everybody's problem. And how has that been freeing? Or, you know, how have you walked with Jesus in, in that process? Well, thinking actually about something that you said earlier, you said, you know, paying attention to your complaining, I guess this would be something that in my spiritual life over the last, I don't know, probably 10 years, I felt that I've paid a lot of attention, a lot of attention to my resentments. Mm. And that's kind of been sort of the rabbit trail to lead me to Mm. where I'm overextended. Mm. Um, where I'm way beyond my limits, where I'm trying to be superhuman in some way and then and then faulting everybody else right. for life falling apart. Yeah, I think one of the joys of just acknowledging your limits and saying what you can't do is like I mentioned before, being able to see other people kind of called into their role in the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. You know, I think about my small group. I lead a small group and they're just, there are needs in that small group that I can't meet alone. And it's been really cool to see other people in the group meeting the needs of other people. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't always have to be the one checking up on everybody, you know, I mean, I want to do that and, but sometimes I can't. And so when other people do that, you know, again, I think they discover the joy that, Mm -hmm we have in belonging mm-hmm. um, to God, to one another, and to serving. So I think that's that's been a joy. And I think it's also just been a joy to in, feel that I have 
more permission to rest, mm-hmm. you know, more permission to say, Lord, you receive kind of the breadcrumbs of life. They never will feed the world. They cannot feed the world all by themselves. You know, the world is just so broken. People are so hungry. And at the end of the day, like I'm just such a broken loaf, you know, (laughs) I've got a few crumbs that I can offer to the world. But see, that's the mystery of what it means to follow Jesus is that he can multiply the breadcrumbs of the lives of his people to feed the world. But it's not just us. It's never just us. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, not only are we potentially impoverishing other people of the gift to pay attention and to love other people, you know, when we think we can do it all, but we're impoverishing ourselves too. Yeah, we are. And we actually... I think we could say we're probably reinforcing the idolatry that we are essential to God in some way that we, you know, we are the world's Messiah, not Jesus. Right. Right. Yes. I would love to hear, you know, you've alluded to it already. So faithful listeners of the podcast will know that I, I do ask everybody this season about their hustle habits and you've kind of already given us some clues, Mm -hmm. but yeah, there's four different ways you can go on over to my website at a spacious.life and take your hustle habit quiz. And you have four options of ways that you try to bypass our normal human God-given limits when we are in places of unhealth or just plain human sinners. (laughs) And we can tend to ignore our limits. We can tend to blame other people or circumstances. We can tend to fall into shame or try to control our limits. And honestly, we kind of you we can tend towards all of them (laughs) at different times, seasons, or you know, sometimes if one doesn't work, I try another one (laughs) until I actually (laughs) realize, oh, I'm limited and this is an invitation to knowing God. But if you take the hustle habit quiz, you can also find a downloadable roadmap that will help you kind of get out of that rut. But Jen, tell us what is your hustle habit? Well, in full disclosure, I did text you right before this conversation. Remind me what my (laughs) hustle habit was, because I do feel like I am guilty of all of them. But Mm -hmm. as uh, listeners have probably already pieced together, blame is definitely Mm -hmm. my hustle habit. I do a lot of blaming, a lot of blaming of my husband. That's probably my first Mm -hmm. (laughs) go-to. And I mean, blaming circumstances for sure. Um, Blaming myself sometimes Mm -hmm. too, you know, that I I just can't get it together to, to meet whatever need. So that resentment piece has been so key for me. Like as soon, it's almost like, it's like a light on the dashboard for Mm -hmm. me spiritually okay, I'm sensing resentment, which is Mm -hmm. a form of blame. Yeah. Um, And so what's going on? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Open up the hood and find out what's Mm -hmm. going on. What has been a helpful way to, you know, when you open up that hood to move past it or move through resentment or blame? Well, sometimes even just being able to say, I do actually have a legitimate desire. Yeah. You know, I do have a legitimate desire, for example, you know, for something in my marriage, you know, Mm -hmm. for example. So what are some healthy ways to just have a conversation about that and to have it, um, to frame it as a conversation of desire, not blame, Right. Right. you know, like here's something that I'm really longing for in our marriage or in our family. Mm -hmm. You know, what do you think about that? Do you Mm -hmm. share this vision? Do you share this desire? How could we move toward this um, together? Because 
the blame game is usually about, well, I want something good and Ryan doesn't. And so he's a jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Or Um, he's, yeah, he's not caring for me or our family or loving us in a certain way where maybe you haven't even made those desires clear. You haven't even made them clear. Mm-hmm. That actually is a, is really, really key for me. What are ways, what are things that I do want to move toward that I do think are important? And maybe I just need to talk to other people about them. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's, if I'm blaming my husband, talking to him, if I'm blaming my children, talking to them, like just mm-hmm. having a conversation that is more centered around desire than anger and resentment mm-hmm. and bitterness. Mm-hmm. That's a really great first step. Right. Or asking questions too, right. Mm -hmm. um, Is another way to even think about it instead of pointing fingers. We're sure to to get a little bit farther that way. What um, limits have been hardest for you to embrace like time or calling or body? And if you think of various kind of limits that we see as humans, where are the sticking points for you? Mine for sure is time, I would say. And, you know, I'm working on, you know, starting to work on a project about time. And I've thought a lot about time management and it really is this whole industry is sort of pot. It posits the idea that like our time isn't limited. I don't know. Right. You know, I think a lot of times, you know, we think that, well, if we could only be more efficient in certain ways, we would multiply our time and then we wouldn't meet those limits. I feel like the pandemic was just a real turning point for me Mm. in this. I don't know what it was. I think it was just the disruption of the lived experience of time that helped me to somehow start to live a little bit differently. I had so much anxiety, truthfully, especially early in the pandemic. I think that whole notion of like, you've finally got more time. You better do something with it. Right. You better like make your make sourdough count. <laughs> <laughs> Organize your pantry, yeah. you know, right. I don't know what else you're supposed to do. Write your memoirs. <laughs> um, read that, read Augustine. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, yes, yes, yes. Okay. I will do this. And like, it just, it just didn't work. I just couldn't, I just, I don't know, the productivity goad just yeah. wasn't, it wasn't working. And so just really rethinking time and just saying, even just to write a list and to say, okay, realistically, like there's only so much time in this day. And the other thing too, is that I never put on my list things I intend to get done that actually take up a lot of time. Mm. Like today I'm doing laundry and I know we're going to talk about laundry today. (laughs) So I won't say much about that, but you know, that never makes it on my list. I just know like Monday, okay, I'm going to do laundry and that just takes time. Like that's, that's not, it's not something that you can do without taking any time. So if it doesn't actually make it on your list and you don't factor that in, like you're not going to get the other stuff done. Yeah. But I think especially like our productivity apps, they like, especially the digital ones, Mm -hmm. they don't, they don't abide any limits. So that was Mm. the other thing that happened to me in the pandemic is that I use this one particular app and I thought, well, I'm going to just figure out how to use all the sophisticated features to this app. And I did. And I, you know, synced it with my calendar and I was making list and sub list and sub (laughs) sub list. (laughs) And there's no limit to that. uh, When you're using a Mm -hmm. digital app there, Mm -hmm. it's not like paper, right? Actually has like, there's a margin, like you run off the edge of the paper and you're writing on your desk. There's only certain things that you Mm. can write. Mm. And that just produced so much anxiety. It was like, Mm. I had, I thought 
because this is actually one of the time management gurus. Well, here, our anxiety is as a result, it results from our not being able to capture all of our to-dos. So just get it all out of your mind, write it down. Well, I did, and I had like 500 items on my list. And let me tell you, that made me feel no better. Yeah. <laughs> you had more to do than you had yes, time. Absolutely. Yeah. So how are you rethinking time now? I've absolutely gone away from that, that digital app. I just realized <laughs> paper was, it mm. actually was a way to observe limits. Mm. Like if you have seven lines or whatever my, in my, to do my planner, whatever it is for the day, it's not more than seven or eight. That's probably even more over, oh, that's probably optimistic in terms of what I can get done for the day. I've rejected also, I think the whole framework of productivity. I just mm. think that it doesn't, I guess, invoke a biblical imagination for yeah. the fruitful life. I think fruitfulness mm. is a is far more biblical when we think about how we, um, the kind of lives that we want to make mm. um, with our days and with our years. Mm -hmm. So those are those are some of the things. Some really practical. Also, just a spirit, the spiritual practice of fixed hour prayer, yeah. which I've I've um, had been pretty diligent about during the pandemic, less diligent about the summer because I feel like I'm just not in a routine right. quite yet. My kids aren't quite yet back to school, but that's been a really important way to actually, because you use the word hurry and hustle in your subtitle, fixed hour prayer is like mm -hmm. the practice for me that interrupts that. I never mm -hmm. want to do it. I It always comes at a time where I think, no, I want to no, I gotta, I gotta finish this or I gotta hurry right. off to do that. Right. And it's never long. It's like right. five minutes. It doesn't take a lot of time, but you realize then, well, I guess our anxiety is, is far deeper than just for, for, for the five minutes that I'm right worried about. Right. And part of the practice then is choosing to stop those productive work bits that mm -hmm. you're, you know, involved in and to reorder your life on God. There's so much, of course, we want to be good, hard workers and we want to use our time well, um, but so much of the language, right. Of time, right. Even just now I just said, use our time. Right. Um, mm -hmm. Heschel talks about, you know, can we inhabit time? Like we do a place and that's just a, such a fascinating concept about what if time were spacious, you know, what if it were expansive? What if it was something that we could like live in and feel we were part of instead of something that we kind of micromanaged according to our to-do list. Mm -hmm. It feels very foreign. I think there's a huge, you know, I love that verse in Acts 17 in, in God, we live and move and have our being. Mm -hmm. Paul, of course, is just quoting one of the poets of mm -hmm. his day. But if you think about that, like in time, we live and move and have our being mm -hmm. in God, we live and move and have our being. So if God is spacious, you know, infinite um, mm -hmm. time is bounded now, but not really ultimately, like there's an unbounded time that we mm -hmm. can all live. And, you know, we could get all philosophical about that. Mm -hmm. um, lots of people have written about that. And I yeah, think the, that that's the Kairos versus Kronos time. It, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, what do we, what kind of things like fixed hour prayer might we do to begin to kind of expand our, you know, just Western mechanistic views of, of time mm -hmm. into more the story of God time. 
Well, mechanistic is, I think, a really important adjective because that's actually where productivity, mm -hmm. the productivity productivity framework comes from. It comes from machines. It was right. a, a measurement for machines, not for human beings. And so mm -hmm. it would stand to reason that we don't do well when the measurements of machines are put upon us. You know, no wonder we feel anxious because we don't run. As, right. You know, we can't speed up and right. be as um, inexhaustible and energy and as machines. Mm -hmm. You know, I like to say, you know, as I've been talking about a spacious life with, with folks too, is, you know, we, we tend to think of ourselves almost like our iPhones that we plug in. Right. So even when yeah. we think about rest or Sabbath or something like plugging in an iPhone that, you know, we only rest because, you know, so as we can go do more work, right. And we can be right. more, more productive rather than actually we start with rest. We start with grace and it's from there that our work proceeds. But it's, mm -hmm. it's so very foreign to how we actually live our lives, <laughs> unfortunately. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. Well, as we conclude, Jen, I would like to hear that laundry routine that, you know, it sounds like it's shifting and, uh, it, uh, yeah. So tell us your laundry routine. <laughs> yeah. I think the last time that I told you, I said, well, you know, I, after 20 some years of marriage, yeah. I have Ryan doing his laundry and now officially my youngest kids are also doing their laundry too. Yay. So they're going into eighth grade. So my routine is Monday, Mondays is like the sheets, the towels. I yeah. still do all of that and my laundry. And then every other day of the week is, you know, as I say, the dryer runs by magic. Somebody <laughs> else has started it. Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> do other members of your family like have days of the week that they do it too? So it's like consistent or is it just like everybody goes for it on Saturday night because no one has anything to wear to church. So. Yeah, I think it's generally Saturdays. So I kind of laugh about that because I think to myself like, well, you know, people will get frustrated because there's a bit of a queue on Saturdays yeah, yeah. for the laundry, for the washing machines. I'm like, well, you guys choose some other days of the yeah. week. So my day is Monday. Um, and Ryan, I think just does it whenever, but yeah, everybody else seems to enjoy Saturdays as a laundry yes, day. Yes, which makes sense. Well, thank you for your thoughtful comments on time and ambition and productivity. Um, there's a lot to think about. So thank you for your own good work and good conversation, Jen. Oh, well, thanks to Ashley for writing A Spacious Life. I know it's going to be a real help to readers. Thank you. Friends, I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Jen Pollack-Michelle. She is an award-winning author, and I would encourage you to pick up any of her books that are listed and linked in the show notes. This season, I am encouraging you to practice with me what I'm calling pocket practices. They're spiritual formation practices that are small enough to keep in your pocket. You can get your own set of pocket practices when you go to a spacious.life, but let's practice one together. One of the types of pocket practices I offer are questions. They can make great discussion questions, and they're also really helpful in your own time of Bible reading or prayer or simply to pause in the middle of the day and ask yourself a deeper question. So for today's pocket practice, I want you to consider this call to community. In A Spacious Life, I talk about the church as the gathered salt of God, that we are not to be individual little single salt crystals, but we are to be poured into the life of the world together. So I invite you to consider as our pocket practice, how might I enhance the flavor of others rather than be enamored with my own saltiness? How might I enhance the flavor of others 
rather than be enamored with my own saltiness. It's really easy, especially in our polarized world, to kind of get enamored with our own saltiness, whatever that may be on certain issues or even with our knowledge. And what Jen really reminds us is that our limits, sometimes the constraints of the community that our limits invite us into are actually life-giving. And sometimes it takes a while for us to remember that and to see the goodness in them. So today I would invite you to ask yourself, how might you enhance the flavor of others? Maybe it looks like inviting other people to serve. Maybe it looks like asking other people to help meet the needs of others in your family or community. Or maybe it looks like doing that yourself. But whatever it is, consider how might you enhance others' flavor than be enamored with your own. Thanks for being here, friends. I encourage you to go to aspacious.life. There you can take the hustle habit quiz, find out your hustle habit. You'll get a roadmap there to help you out of your hustle habit. And you can also get these pocket practices at aspacious.life. Thanks for being here. Remember, big things matter, but so does the laundry. This episode was brought to you in part by The Compelled Podcast, which uses gripping, immersive storytelling to bring Christian testimonies to life. Listen to missionaries, addicts, martyrs, and more who have seen Jesus at work in unbelievable ways. Listen on your podcast app or compelledpodcast.com.